Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are living at a time when it's very clear that the traditional institutions are coming undone. And I think things have reached a clear breaking point. So from our political to our uh, institutions of education or, or in the media, I think what is less clear is what will rise up to take its place, what new forms are arising. And so I think what's needed in order to lead that charge are is, is preparing new global leaders who have insight and conviction, empathy, the right blend of confidence and humility, um, and moral courage to be focused on making decisions that are inclusive and oriented toward um, moving moving the world ahead, um, creating social change in a, in a profound way. How you day, how you day. Today's episode is with an amazing lady who is reinventing the pathway between high school and college. And she's doing this by creating change makers and elevating people's curiosity about travel. So if you're curious about travel, social change, and entrepreneurship, or maybe you just love stories about people who have figured out how to take big ideas make them a reality you're going to love this conversation with abby the concept of her company is born out of a moment of personal frustration abby is someone who knew that this world was much bigger than the stories on television were saying and she went about to create a platform to allow high school students as well as people who are interested in the world in their youth to really understand the world that we live in today it's a really fascinating conversation i love our origin story and i think you will too check out the episode and expand your mind. Welcome everybody to another episode of It's Told by Nomads. And today's episode is with the founder and CEO of Global Citizen Year, Abby Fallick. She graduated from high school at the age of 18. And she was hungry to find a deeper sense of purpose for higher education and life. She wanted to make sure that she created an opportunity for people to experience what exactly it means to be a global citizen in today's world. She recognizes that The idea of being foreign doesn't mean enemy, and so the program was born. She created several opportunities for several people from different parts of the world to understand what it's like to embrace global skills and bring moral courage to leadership across all sectors in the world. Welcome to the show, Abby. Thank you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) Pleasure is mine, and I'm very, very interested in why you got started in this, because I recognize that yearning for more. Um, And that was something that has always been in me as someone who grew up in two military dictatorships. I was always interested in the idea of more. Um, How did you go from that 18-year-old to actually developing uh, this amazing platform that you have today? Mm. So 
For me, there's a convergence of two early experiences and influences. And one was that my parents had valued travel as the highest form of education. So they had taken me and my two younger siblings around the world in various forms and times. Um, we are in South America and Southeast Asia and Southern Africa as kids. And they would often take us to schools where we found ourselves and we would directly with kids our age. And I have vivid memories of, you know, being nine years old in a village in Fiji, interacting with a kid who was about my age and just having that moment of realization that the world is huge and wildly unequal. And yet we probably all have more in common than we don't. It's just about varying access, sort of levels of access to opportunity. Um, so that was a, a mentor who describes it as sort of a social justice nerve, this idea that once that nerve gets exposed, you can't ignore it. And so I think early travel definitely gave me an intuitive sense that I had won the birth lottery by being born where and when I was, and that there's just some sense of deep-seated responsibility I had to be figuring out how I was going to move the world ahead and make life better for other people through the access to education and opportunity that I was going to have. So flash forward, when I finished high school, the other kind of convergence for me was feeling exhausted from the treadmill and feeling like, wow, this is so interesting. The stuff I've learned in my life that has felt most resonant and important had nothing to do with what I'm learning in a classroom. And so I called the Peace Corps. I really wanted to take some time to do something real in the world that would just give me a new perspective and a sense of purpose for why I was going to college beyond just being an excellent sheep and falling in line. And um, Peace Corps said, go to college, we'll see you in four years. And so the kind of frustration of that, of that moment of feeling like, where is the rite of passage at this age? Here I am transitioning between childhood and young adulthood and and going from school to more school, and that's the expectation, that's where all the inertia is, and yet I, I know there's something more, as you said. And so um, you know, really ever since, I have been fixated on this totally missed opportunity in that transition between high school and college to give young people from all backgrounds the opportunity to leave home, figure out who they are and what they care about before setting foot on a college campus. That That is so brilliant, Fred, by the way, because I am – always interested in this idea of cultivating the next set of global leaders. I've, I've always said my biggest goal ever since I was 10 was to help develop the next set of global leaders. Currently, the 3 billion people are under 30. And about half the world doesn't get to experience the internet. But also, we have a very, very young earth. And this concept of exposing people from different parts of the world, world east, west, north, south, to the, the possibilities that, that could exist if you interact with people that are different from you, is something that I've been increasingly um, um, enamored uh, with. And so when you decided to create this, what was the, the pitch? Did, did, you, did you fund it yourself? Did you say, hey, I'm going to find someone from Cameroon and someone from Peru and someone from the United States, and we're <laughs> going to go to another country and we'll learn from each other? Or what was that yeah. early day like? Yeah. So, and I, I think of entrepreneurship, you know, there's sort of this myth, I think that there's a lightning bolt. You've got your idea and that might be true <laughs> if you're making some like, fair enough, fair enough. fancy, fancy product to sell in Silicon Valley. But for me, this was actually a much slower cook. So, you know, the original kind of instinct was planted when I was 18 and even before in mm -hmm. some ways. 
then I went, I ended up going straight to college because I couldn't find something like global citizen year, but I did take a year off during college and I was traveling in Latin America and it was that experience that felt like the most important part of shaping who I was and what I cared about. Um, and it had nothing to do with, with formal school. And so when I came back, I petitioned for my year of work in Latin America to count for course credit, which somehow they gave me, which was great. Um, but it all was just sort of building toward this instinct that, uh, a formative, immersed global experience before one gets to college can change everything. So I had it during college, and when I came back to school, I felt like, oh, here I am with confidence and a sense of focus, and I know why I'm here, and I've got the, you know, uh, uh, courage to to ask for help and to cultivate relationships with professors as mentors. And I just wish that I'd had that at the beginning of college. So again, that was sort of another. Um, seed that dropped was like, oh, there's there's something more here. So then I finished college. I spent five years working, sort of apprenticing myself to other uh, international development and education organizations, always, you know, exercising my entrepreneurial muscle, but in other people's safety nets to get started. And then I landed in business school largely because I was frustrated by learning often in the sort of not-for-profit sector what wasn't working. Um, so I, I felt like even in contexts where there was talent and resources, sometimes that that would not add up to what it could because there was a lack of strategic planning and clear financial management and strong entrepreneurial leadership. And so that's really where I, I landed at Harvard Business School, which is the last place in the world I thought I would ever be. Um, but it was a fabulous place to be cooking up a new idea. So when I finished, I pitched this idea for Global Citizen Year, won the pitch competition, which mm. was a great boost of support. It wasn't any money, actually, but it, well, actually, it was about enough to help me move from Boston back across the country to California. Um, and then directly to your question from there, you know, I was fortunate to be able to live with my parents for a bit. I was squatting in somebody else's office space. I mean, I benefited from the generosity of many people. Um, as I ran around uh, the Bay Area, knocking on doors, getting a lot of rejections, asking for uh, early investments, philanthropic investments. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was grueling and um, nobody ever wants to be first with a big new idea. But lots of people were lined up to be next once once we had our first break. So that's the origin story. No, I, I love I love how you went through that, because a lot of times the the main core audience for this podcast is the 1825 and then we got 20 um 26 to 34 and then uh, 45 to to 54 um in the third place but a lot of times we i get into conversations with a lot of my listeners and, and a lot of what they're looking for because a lot of them are change makers or aspiring change makers is how to start and your story, your particular story of saying it's always been in you and you've sort of almost apprenticed yourself by getting out there in the field and then honing it and, and refining it and continue through the process is, is one that um, I feel like is, is a message that, that is underreported. Uh, that, that's that's mm. a lot of what entrepreneurship is. It's solving mm -hmm. problems and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to have a sexy exterior, but it, it the interior, no matter what you're doing, has to be um, honed in and worked on repeatedly. And in your case, it sounds like you needed to go out into the world and sort of see what works and what didn't. Uh, you needed to see how things could be replicated, and you needed to understand how to sort of 
understand how you could pitch that in a in a Harvard school environment. I mean, it's one thing for you yeah. to live to live with it for years. I mean, you know it, but then to explain it to people uh, and to get that skill is is another thing. So um, I, I love how you said that. Totally, uh, totally. And I, you know, I think. I think a lot about sort of this notion of entrepreneurial leadership as different from being an entrepreneur. So um, not, I think everybody and, you know, especially younger generations, like there's no choice but to approach your career and your life entrepreneurially, which doesn't necessarily mean you're starting something new. Some people are wired to start the new thing. Um, But I was actually reluctant to start something new because I'd worked in nonprofits where it wasn't clear to me that those organizations needed to exist on their own. Um, and so my first pass was to talk to other organizations to see if I could set Global Citizen Europe up within their context. So I talked to the Peace Corps, I talked to a group called City Year, um, and eventually found that we were going to be most effective if we were set up as an independent 501c3. Um, but I didn't start there. I, I knew that there was a way to be entrepreneurial, but my job was to actually be savvy about not reinventing wheels if I didn't need to. Um, so that's one of the things that we're really focused on with the fellows in our program is helping them understand that it's not we, we it's not about needing like a whole slew of new nonprofits or problem solvers. We need what we call solution accelerants. We need young people who can identify what works and can take it to where it's needed or figure out what is the context for creating the impact they care most about. But very rarely does that actually need to entail starting a new organization. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. Okay, so now now you've gotten this. You, you've pitched the idea. You won a competition. You didn't get money. You were squatting. But you had an idea that, hey, if someone gets this. This works. You then yeah. you then decide to do what? To uh, to build out the, the, the framework and the structure. So, I mean, as you can tell, I had been thinking about it at that point for a decade. And I, I now remember, and I, I, this had been kind of like a secret in my brain for a while, but um, I'll, I'll share it with you. That I, I remember even in college, I had this folder on my computer that I called Master Plan. And it, I would have been so mortified at the time if anybody had looked over my shoulder and seen what it was or even asked me what it was because I didn't know. I could, couldn't possibly have named what it was all building toward, but I just had this instinct. And so it was the folder where I put like things that I read that felt like, ah, someday I want more young people to be reading this or watching this or conversations I had with people that really shifted my perspective or, you know, international trips I took and people who seemed like great allies or partners in other parts of the world. And I was just kind of like gathering all the input. And um, so then as we started raising some early money and I hired our first couple of teammates, we were off to the races. So we built a, a platform and a program and our first kind of outreach that spring. And we found 11 very pioneering young people who were coming out of high schools across the U.S., convinced them and their parents, and the parents was the more um, is the more surprising part to me in hindsight that um, they should join this brand new thing and that they had the opportunity to be at the forefront of building a new movement that was going to re-envision how kids move from high school to college. Um, and they joined us at the time before we even knew what countries we were placing them in. We didn't know who the team was going to be. So it's pretty astonishing looking back that we found those early takers. But I'm so, so grateful that we did. So we launched the next fall. Wow, that's amazing. Oh man. Okay. Wow. Okay. No, this, this is good. And, and as, as soon as you start to get these people, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm gonna, this is a two prong question. 
when you traveled, yeah. what did you learn the most about yourself when you traveled? And then as you started to get more students involved, what have you found are, uh, are the common things that people always say that they, they come away with with the experience? Yeah. Oh, so my, I mean, what do we not learn when we travel? I think it, one of our core frameworks for teaching and learning at Global Citizen Year is this notion that we all have a comfort zone, we all have a stretch zone, and we all have a panic zone. And we know that we don't learn when we're too comfortable, uh, um, and, nor do we learn when we're too panicked, but we learn in that stretch. And I think... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What happens when we travel is we're not traveling just for transportation. We're traveling to be transformed. And when you arrive in a context where nothing is familiar, it electrifies your senses and it shifts how you... Uh, see yourself because you see and feel the way that others are seeing you, um, especially if it's an experience of, to be foreign or minority or not fitting in to a ma- ma- majority, you know, especially for, for somebody who grew up in a context where as a white person in America, it, you know, it's, it's um, less frequent that I am seeing myself as foreign, outside or other. So it builds enormous empathy, whether it's, um, for um, different cultures or immigrant groups or races. I mean, it's just, and it also forces you, so our program design um, allows young people as they come out of high school to spend a full school year living and working in communities across Latin America, Africa, and Asia. And by staying longer and going deeper, they live with a family, they work on a local project, they, they come to learn a new, speak to people in their own language. You know, they literally walk in somebody else's shoes uh, for, for months of time. And it is this process of deconstructing your sense of who you thought you were or who you were by way of what everybody expected of you. And, you know, you're you know, an 18 year old. You'll hear from a couple of our alumni um, when you interview them in a village in Senegal, for example, um, challenging everything you thought you knew about um, values and identity, hopes and aspirations, um, what success looks and feels like. And so building these strong and intimate connections with a family in a different culture and part of the world just completely transforms how you see yourself and how you see your role. Wow, yeah. And I, I, I found that to be true as well, that that, that re discovery of your identity and, and kind of what that means in the context of the world is something that that's so important in today's world uh, where, you know, it's, it's quick to judge someone because you don't know what you don't, you know, you don't know. 
and is quick to just basically, um, you know, make judgment on, on, on how that can impact their, their whole country. Because I remember when I first came here, yeah. people, yeah, people used to take a stereotype and use that to map yeah. out my whole country. You know, I had people <laughs> right. singing, singing Lion King songs to me and, and, and making oh noises God. with their mouths. And I was like, how did, you know, it doesn't even yeah. you know, exist. So I think that awareness and exposure is, 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 is super important, especially in today's world, because people make a lot of decisions on things they don't actually know. Exactly. And I think if there's one thing that our fellows learn, it is the danger of a single story. So we're yes. very, very focused on helping them understand, you know, how their preconception syncs with what they then learn by staying longer, going deeper. Unwrap, we talk about unpeeling layers of the onion and just um, having coming out with much more nuanced insights. Um, but also often, you know, after eight months of immersion, they'll come back and, you know, the, if I say, what did you learn? It will be I learned how little I know about this place yes. so far away, right? And I, you know, I learned how to ask a really good question. I learned how to listen well. And I learned how much there still is to understand. And I, I think we can sometimes do a disservice to building global citizenship and cross-cultural exchange by focusing on these very superficial fly-by trips is what I call them. You know, whether it's like a missionary trip, um, which talk about the, the feel good versus the real good. Uh, and also the, the sense when you come in and out very quickly of a foreign context, you think you, you might think you understand it. Um, and there's a huge danger in that. And I think there are too few opportunities for young people to have deep and formative and very challenging, uh, lengthier experiences that challenge those assumptions. Yeah. Challenge those assumptions. Ah, gosh, I love that. I love these type of combos. Okay, so, um, it, so walk me through the process of how people can can get into your program because it's a gap year, right? It's a school year. They get into the program and they work with you and go to several countries throughout the whole year, or is it? Yeah, so time? so it's um, it, it is a gap year technically, but we like to say it's sort of gap year without a gap. It's mm. such a terrible metaphor, right? So we are recruiting kids into something that is more of a launch pad than it is a gaping hole. So we recruit kids as they're coming out of their senior year of high school. We have a rigorous admissions process that is um, screening, not for test scores and grades. uh, And also it's a need blind admissions process. So we're deliberate about admitting kids who come from really different socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, But we are looking for kids who are motivated, curious, and got that spark of potential. So we're taking bets on young people who we think are going to be our future leaders. Um, And just to give you a sense, um, uh, more than half of our kids are students of color, and uh, about two-thirds are getting some level of financial aid, about a third get a full scholarship from us, just to um, round it out. So it looks looks and feels very different from any kind of traditional travel or even study abroad program, which tends to skew very white and very wealthy. Uh, so we're doing that by design. And then our fellows, we call them, come together for a boot camp training before they head out to their country. So we host that at Stanford for a week in August each summer. Um, and it's giving them a, a global context, um, a sort of framework around introspection, toolkit, mindfulness, and, and self-reflection, and a connection to the, the, the whole cohort. Um, and then they travel, and they are placed in one of our current countries. We've got programs in Brazil, Ecuador, Senegal, and India currently. And they are placed with the homestay family, and they work as what we call an apprentice, advancing work in a local effort might be um, as a teaching assistant or a 
shadowing a doctor in a maternity ward. They might be working on an agriculture project. But they've got a job and a mentor and a homestay family. And then beyond that, it's really up to them to design their own learning journey. So we sometimes talk about design your own year and design your own goals. And um, we have staff on the ground in each of the countries where we operate who are focused on coaching and mentoring the fellows to really help them stay in that stretch zone and not get too comfortable and also not get too panicked. And then they come back and they spend a week with us back in California in a reentry program before they head home um, to really help them digest the experience, reconnect with each other, and get reoriented around what it's like to, and you know well, reverse culture shock is a real thing, um, but also to help them think about how do you use your higher education? How do you use the privilege of that, of having access to a college experience? How are you going to use that to move the world ahead? Oh, gosh, this is so brilliant. And it's so full circle because you help them, you know, to, to expand their mindset by going out. But then when you also don't forget the reentry period and that reentry period, the reverse culture shock is as real as it comes. And as someone that went through that, I mean, you go back and forth, right? So sometimes you can come back to your own country and you're not American enough or Nigerian enough or that enough because you've sort of expose yourself to a whole different things and you've realized that you are much more than a one-dimensional person. And so the things you used to like before right. are not the same. <laughs> and maybe the right. friends you right. made based on those things you liked before, you don't connect as much. And there's that mm. little uh, disconnect. Or even it can be as simple as pop culture references. You know, Sometimes we live in a fast-paced world where a simple you know, a dance or a term and all that is like, whoa, I missed that. And um, mm. that can be mm. a, a whole big deal. No, no, this is good. So I'd like to ask you this question. How do you think you're doing so far in building leaders? I mean, we're just beginning to see it really take shape, and it's extraordinary. So just last week, we published our first alumni outcomes report. Um, so our oldest alums are now a couple of years out of out of college. And it is incredible to see what they're doing. They are beginning to drive social change from positions of influence um, across all sectors. So we've been We've got people working at Tesla, Microsoft, and Amazon, and then we've got people working for the UN and the WHO. We've got people who've joined the Peace Corps and Teach for America. Um, we've got Rhodes Scholars and Fulbright Scholars. Um, but there's just a, a really clear sense that they know their why. They know what matters to them and what it means to find meaningful work. 95% of our college grads say that their work is making a difference in other people's lives, which in a first or second job out of college is a pretty big Pretty big deal. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just getting started. We've got about 700 alone at this point um, and growing quickly. Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. And, and, and it's definitely a long-term work, uh, but it's one that, that people need to be able to see the big picture simultaneously as well as the, the details. And so sometimes you might get to see a picture that other people, you know, can't. Like, I'm sure I imagine some kids come up to you and they might not be uh, fully, you know, aware of just how much, uh, of an impact they could make, but they're like, ah, it's a gap year, whatever. Um, and I imagine you see some of these kids after a while and they're, they're not the same people you saw initially. Mm. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's even if the, you know, they probably had good, in I mean, I'm sure a lot of them have good intentions, I, uh, but sometimes people just don't understand just how much um, change they can be from traveling just because of, yeah. of how your eyes can be opened. Um, yeah. So I'm always curious about stories like that because I, you know, I mean, as much as I've always wanted to change the world since I was as, as a kid, I didn't even understand just how much more on fire I would be by being exposed to whether it be in Vietnam or Burkina Faso 
and understanding how certain policies work and, and just yeah. coming back and just saying, no, no, we do it now. <laughs> um, yeah, right, right. Yeah, we talk about burning patience, this idea of like things take the time they take and our fellows role when they are 18 in a foreign country is not to be the change maker. It's actually to be an observer and a participant so that they can prepare themselves to, you know, be a change maker and leader over time. Um, but this year is very much not about parachuting in to tell people what to do. It's the yes. opposite of that. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Um, and uh, before we close, what about the world right now? I imagine you have different opinions. Um, on the state of leadership in different parts of the world. What do you feel like we need to get to a better place? We need so much. Um, <laughs> hey, this is, this, is, your, this yeah. is your stool. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we are living at a time when it's very clear that the traditional institutions are coming undone. And I think things have reached a clear breaking point. So from our political to our uh, sort of institutions of education or, or in the media. I think what is less clear is what will rise up to take its place, what new forms are arising. And so I think what's needed in order to lead that charge are is, is preparing new global leaders who have insight and conviction, empathy, the right blend of confidence and humility um, and moral courage to be focused on making decisions that are inclusive and oriented toward um, moving moving the world ahead, um, creating social change in a in a profound way. So that's what I think we need, and that's, yeah. that's what we're focused on, and that's what makes me optimistic. Waking up in the morning to do the work we do is that we are building the generation of leaders that the world needs. Absolutely, and I'm I'm super optimistic as well. And and you know, a lot of times people would would question my optimism, but I'm like, we programs like what you've got, what you know, you're doing right now. I think disrupting the education system is showing people that there are much more options to be educated in today's world. Um, is key. It, it, the yeah. thing that this generation has that other generations didn't is the is the globalization and digitalization. That 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 marriage is is um is a force for good as much as it can be for bad but i think a lot of people don't focus on how much good that could be you know it's a it's it's a it's an opportunity to create empathy through sustained relationships it's an opportunity to educate and expose yourself to different parts of the world and it's also an opportunity to tell stories that aren't being told and yeah. so um you know I, I love what you're doing at global citizen year and the fact that you're giving emerging leaders the experience they need to solve real problems um so yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. It's been really fun to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. But before I go, this is the question I yeah. always ask. The last question I, <laughs> I ask is my mission statement. The mission statement for everything I do um, and why I resonate with what you're doing is use your difference to make a difference, right? That's, that's my mm -hmm. foundation. And so mm -hmm. I ask all my guests this question before we, before, uh, we end our interviews. How are you, Abby, using mm -hmm. your difference to make a difference? Mm -hmm. I have been wired as an entrepreneurial builder from the time I was a kid. And so I, I moved through the world seeing challenges as opportunities. And my favorite definition of entrepreneurship is uh, you know, pursuing an opportunity independent of the resources currently under control. And I, I feel like my unique ability is 
envisioning the future, inspiring people to see a new pathway and paradigm for education, how we teach and how we learn, um, and gathering the resources and connecting the dots and and building a movement to make it happen. So it's it's sort of this integration of my own lived experience with my wiring as a builder and my comfort with ambiguity and confidence about kind of taking leaps of faith that are always required and getting something started from nothing. So I think that's, that's my difference, and that's how I'm using it to make a difference. I think it's an amazing. I think it's an amazing way to do it, and um, we'll definitely make sure we put all the show notes in, in, in the uh, all the links in the show notes, rather. And for great, those, yeah. No, and for those listening, you know, we're talking. We've been talking to Abby Fallick for the last thirty minutes or so, and, and it's been. Um, she's got this amazing platform that you know creates a whole generation of leaders, but also reflects diversity and builds moral courage, which is something that we we all. Um, we all, I feel like we all need, uh, in, in times of crisis, we need more people, uh, with high moral values to stand up. Uh, and, um, and you're certainly doing a great job of doing that. And in the coming weeks, the coming months, you'll be hearing from a couple of our students as well, or alumni. So, um, thank you so much for spending time with us, Abby. Thank you. It's been awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manis and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.